Morning. How are we? Good. All right. Well, I was really hoping by this time of the year that the weather would have turned. Anybody else? Maybe we just need to speak it into being. How good is that? Oh. Well, have you ever been asked to carry out a mission? Have you ever been asked to carry out a mission? Now, it's a weird question for some of us who aren't in the Defence Force. Ren would probably be able to tell us he's had to carry out missions, at least on a training ground or something, maybe in real life. I don't know, I should ask him. But for most of us who aren't in the Defence Force, it's not a, a normal kind of question for us to carry out a mission, right? As teens, uh, especially at camps, we would, we would have these missions that we had to carry out. Now, teenage boys in a dormitory together, things get pretty wild, and you end up, yeah, coming up with missions for one another, which really was just a fancy word for dares, right? We dare you that you, or the mission today is to do this. And usually, uh, <laughs> we'd probably watch too many like Mission Impossible episodes back when it was a TV show. Anyway, it was kind of your mission if you choose to accept it. And they were usually things that were probably not the most helpful things as a teenage boy, right? Now, we, uh, we tried to carry on that tradition then as leaders, you know, those, those guys who were teenagers in those dorms? We tried to carry on the tradition as leaders at junior camps at the start, as in, with our dorm full of young boys, we would give them daily missions that they had to accomplish. Now, by that stage, we had grown up. We were a bit more mature, and we tried to change the culture a little bit. It wasn't like the missions that we gave ourselves as teenage boys were pretty dumb like really dumb and usually involve breaking camp rules whereas when you're a leader so so we decided that we would have every camp a gentleman's award so our dorm and we would give our boys daily missions and if they carried out those daily missions and they were in the running for the gentleman's award I remember people may may not know Sam Kilford was the first ever winner of the gentleman's award well done, Sam. Uh, good on you. Uh, <laughs> but out, outside of camps, the only missions that I've ever had to accomplish were probably in computer games. Anyone else like playing computer games? And there's missions in computer games, right? Anyway, no one else? Any missions that you had to accomplish? Yeah? Maybe Chris... Quests? Quests? Anyway. All right. <laughs> Let's, let's move on because that's, that's bombing. <laughs> um, well, sometimes, sometimes when I get up here on a Sunday, uh, like it has been the last few weeks together looking at Colossians, sometimes it'll be teaching on Scripture that, that like I kind of get to talk with you about. And we, we, we open up God's Word and we look kind of pretty deep into that Scripture and we look at the context and, and all of that. And who did enjoy looking through Colossians together? Yep, great, loved it. Um, other times, it's a, it's a word of encouragement. 
Like I get to bring, maybe again from Scripture, a word of encouragement for us. Or, or something that builds our faith into the week, right? Pointing us to God's goodness and His good works. And other times, it's sometimes about equipping us to be the church wherever we are. And today is one of, one of those latter ones. Today, I want to bring you something to help us be equipped to be the church in our week. Is that okay with everybody? Give me a thumbs up. I like a thumbs up. Yeah, we're all awake. We're here. This, we even clapped this morning. Like to the slowest song I've ever clapped to, but we clapped. Double, yeah. So the reason, the reason for the, the terrible intro about missions is uh, because those of us in the room who have chosen to follow Jesus need to understand that Jesus had a mission, didn't he? He had a mission. And also he has given us then also a mission to accomplish together as the church. Matthew 28. Is a, is a familiar verse to most of us. And Jesus gives his disciples uh, a mission for them to carry out, a mission that continues for us here today. And I want to read that uh, really quickly. Uh, I've lost my place, but we know Matthew 28, and he says, uh, "Go Therefore, go... And make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Like Jesus, our mission is to show and to tell and to teach as many people as we can about God's kingdom, isn't it? And the good news of salvation through Jesus. That there's restoration, that there's renewal and resurrection through him. Is there an amen to that? Yeah. And this morning, I, I want to be able to do that. I want to be able to carry out that mission. But the reality is, the idea of evangelism, the idea of sharing our faith with the whole world, I, I don't know, and all nations, it's pretty overwhelming isn't it? And sometimes it feels a bit like an impossible mission. This morning, I, I want to talk about some good news because that's, that's what I like doing. And the good news is that although Jesus, he, uh, he was able to minister to the masses, to the all, he taught great crowds. We see lots of stories where Jesus is teaching and great crowds are following. And as his ministry goes on, even more people, greater crowds followed him. And we hear the story of the feeding of the 5,000, which we know was 5,000 men, probably 10,000. But Jesus' strategy for carrying out this mission, can I tell you this morning, was never, ever about amassing the greatest amount of people he could. It was never about trying to get like a million people together in one place and then give the good news. If we read the Gospels, 
I want to suggest this morning that it was always about the one. It was always about the one, wasn't it? And there's a series um, of parables that Jesus uses to to emphasize this point again uh, that we've looked at even in the last kind of month or two, we've looked at these, uh, one of these stories. In Luke 15, Jesus teaches three short stories, three short parables all together. And we're going to start Luke 15 at verse 1. Thanks, Mark. Now, the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear Jesus. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Jesus was attracting the wrong kind of people and we've looked at that before. And he goes on. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and he goes home. Then he calls his friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has lost 10 silver coins and loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbours together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels and God over one sinner who repents. The next story is the story of the prodigal son, the lost son. And we see the same kind of themes, that God rejoices over the one. We also see, again, throughout the Gospels, numerous times where Jesus, even though he's in the presence of great crowds, steps aside to focus on the one, don't we? We see uh, early on the calling of Levi, the, the tax collector, where Jesus steps away, and he calls Levi personally to come and follow him. He takes time out. He goes to Levi's house, and they have a dinner party together. We see the story of Zacchaeus again, great crowds, lining of the streets of people wanting to see Jesus. But Jesus' focus wasn't necessarily just on the great crowds. He focused on the one. We even see in the middle of a great crowd the story of the healing of the bleeding woman as well, don't we? Again, where Jesus' focus turns to the one. Each one matters, don't they? Each one is valuable. Each one is is loved. I just want to stop for two seconds because I think this is important for us. I know it's super simple, but maybe if this is all you get this morning, I think it's worth it. Can I tell you this morning that that one includes you? That one that Jesus stops for includes you. That you are valuable, that you are loved, that you actually attract the attention of the King of Kings. 
God has a time and he has attention for you this morning. I, I want to just stop really quickly and I want us to pray. I, just that that sinks in. I know it's so simple and you may have heard it a million times. You may have heard that from the first time you ever went to Sunday school. But for some of us, we just need to soak it in right now today. Let's pray. God, we thank you uh, in, a, in a world of, of billions of people that you are a God who loves each one of us. That you are a God who, who says that each one of us is valuable. And God, this morning, we thank you that you have the time that you place attention on each one of us. God, we speak that truth over us, that we are loved, that we matter and that we are valuable. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. That's good news, isn't it? It's good news. Well, here at Rev Church, uh, our dream, our hope, our mission, you would say, is to see our homes, to see our neighbourhoods and to see our city transformed by Jesus. This isn't a new idea. Um, at least 10 years ago, and there'd be some people in the room who would remember this moment. And it's, it's funny because Nick sent me a text this morning that featured this particular word that I'm about to mention. But at least 10 years ago, there was a group of young youth leaders. And we met, as we usually would at the start of the year, and we'd get together and we'd talk about what was coming in the next year. And this particular time we met in the old Glenelg Salvos. We had played some handball out the front. I think we, you know, we had a great time hanging out at Glenelg as a youth team. But we talked about this dream. We talked about this dream. What would it look like to see our city transformed by Jesus? What would it look like if we carried out that mission? And we got together and we were like, how could we possibly do that? I think there was a group of about 15 of us and we we're like, how could we possibly see this city of over a million people transformed? And we came up with a really dumb but powerful hashtag. Everyone knows hashtags. And the hashtag was this word, Olart. Hey, there we go. At least a couple of people know. Olart. And no, I'm not speaking like Scandinavian. O-L-A-A-T, Olart. And that hashtag stood for one life at a time. One life at a time. If we're to see our city transformed, it's not about amassing the biggest rally we can. It's not about putting on the best program that we could. It was actually about one life at a time. That's how we'll see our city transformed. 
We could be overwhelmed by the mission ahead of us or we could see it happen one life at a time. Hashtag all art. Now, it was, it was pretty cool that when the Salvos National Vision came out a couple of years ago, that that line is in there, one life at a time. Have you seen that on the National Vision, for those who have seen that? That made me smile a little bit, thinking we were ahead of the game by about, I don't know, 10 years maybe. Uh, all up, one life at a time. This morning, I want to suggest that we can be overwhelmed by the mission if we think globally. Thinking globally, does that make you think of Biodome? Yeah, yeah. yeah. thinking glo- think locally, globally. There's two people in the room who get that joke, and don't ever watch that movie. I rewatched it; it's not good. No, it's not. It's I really isn't. Uh, sorry, I train of thought. We can be overwhelmed by that mission if we do think globally. But if Jesus's strategy was one life at a time, shouldn't our strategy be one life at a time too? Are you with me so far? Give me a nod. Nods are good. Shake our brains a little bit. I heard a story just last week. And that's actually what prompted uh, this this morning, this story. I was at a gathering of, of other church pastors, other, other officers, other church leaders And as happens in those groups, we're talking about what church programs we're running at the moment, what's kind of happening in our world, what we talked about what our most recent kind of preaching series was. And we, you know, it's pretty normal things when church kind of leaders get together. But something happened. Someone shared a story. It was a bit out of the ordinary because usually you get with other church leaders and they're talking about themselves and their churches. But this story was different. It wasn't about a pastor. It wasn't about an officer. It wasn't even about a leader in the church. But it was just a story about one of the ladies who was attending this church. And this lady had taken seriously the idea of seeing her neighbourhood changed one life at a time. See, she had heard... At her local supermarket, which if you go to the same supermarket all the time, you get to know the people around your supermarket. Who who, who likes to go to the same checkout person every time if they can? I love that. If Kyle's there, I haven't seen Kyle for too long. Um, But you get to know your shopping centre. You get to know the people who, who you shop next to. And she had heard that there was a regular woman at the shopping centre who hadn't been able to pay for her shopping that day. And it was, it was kind of uh, being spread around, a bit rumour, because this woman was a bit of an interesting character, a bit of a troublemaker kind of character. And she'd not caused a fuss, but, but people had been talking about her. And what had actually happened is she wasn't able to pay for her shopping that day, but her shopping that day only consisted of sanitary items. And as a regular shopper, this woman had heard this story and she knew the woman that they were all talking about. 
And she was able to find out that this lady was struggling to afford these items after she had paid for her food and shopping for the week. So this woman, just a lady at a church, caught up with this woman, this other woman, and offered to once a month buy these items for her, for as long as she needed. Story simple, but gee, it excited me. What if we as a church could individually make a difference to just one person each? Here's the equation as a church. We, uh, we hear a story like that and we think, well, we could put together a really great program. We could actually, you know, we could start a, I don't know, bit of a shopping thing or we could we could maybe start a, a community meal or we could start a coffee and chat or or even something more spiritual like an alpha we could we could start and actually if we got good numbers to that we could get like 30 people that they're pretty good numbers for a program but it takes a lot of organizing it takes a lot of energy it takes a lot of resources and let me tell you, there's nothing wrong with church programs. We, we talked and we celebrate what we do together. But the equation is this. What if the 50, the 60 of us here today connect with just one person this week? Who knows that's double than what we probably could do in a program. That's a lot of people. Mother Teresa, uh, who, to be honest, I don't really know heaps about Mother Teresa. Did I say Teresa? Mother Teresa. I, I don't know. I don't know heaps about her, uh, but we all know who she is, though, don't we? And can I tell you that Mother Teresa impacted the lives of so many people during her life, more than I could ever hope to to be able to do. But she had this to say. And now I've got three quotes for you this morning. And the first one is this. Never worry about numbers. Help one person at a time. And always start with the person nearest you. It's powerful, isn't it? A woman who helped, like you could probably number in the hundreds of thousands of people that she helped. And she said, the person nearest you. The second one is if you can't feed a hundred people, then just feed one. And the last one is this. Not all of us can do great things, but we can do small things with great love. Jesus is um, in Scripture and Jesus is teaching and it's very close to his crucifixion. And we read in Matthew, uh, Matthew 25, about he teaching about the final judgment. And he's saying that there'll be a sorting of, of, of people like, like a shepherd would sort the sheep from the goats. Matthew 25, verse 35 says, For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your home. I was naked, you gave me clothing. I was sick, you cared for me. 
I was in prison and you visited me. Then these righteous ones will reply, Lord, when did we ever see you hungry or feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. It's really simple this morning. We can be overwhelmed by this giant mission in front of us to tell the whole world about who God is, his kingdom. Or we can use Jesus' strategy to carry out that mission and that we can, we can do that with just the one this week. Can I give you a mission this week? And I want to say starting this week, because I don't think it's a one-off. I think this is a, a thing that we want to make a habit in our life. I challenge and encourage you to intentionally connect with just one person this week. A neighbour, a workmate, or maybe just a random person at the shops. But I want to suggest that you connect with just one this week. So that we might see our city transformed by the love of Jesus. It might be one invite this week. We have some invite cards that make that invite really easy. It might be an invite to, to come and share with us at church. That'd be great. But it might just be one meal with someone this week. It might be one coffee with someone this week. It might be one loving act of kindness or generosity this week. It might even just be one conversation or one phone call this week. I believe that the act in itself isn't all the power, right? That's good. We have to act. But I also ask with the one connection, that you also are praying for that connection. I talked about this mission seems impossible. And I believe it is impossible when we do it in our own strength. It is an impossible mission. Which is why Jesus sends a helper, right? The Holy Spirit to help us carry out that mission. A mission that if we were to take this serious, one life at a time, that we might see our city transformed, that we might see our homes first transformed, that we might then see our neighbourhoods and that we might see our city. Can we pray now that the Holy Spirit might lead us in that this morning? The Holy Spirit might draw a name to your attention this morning, someone that you can connect with, that you can uh, maybe have this loving act of kindness towards this week. And that the Holy Spirit will lead us. Let's pray. God, um, Jesus, you have given us a mission. And that mission is to see your kingdom come. To see all nations come to know who you are, Jesus. To be discipled and baptized in your name. Holy Spirit, right now, we need your help. 
Holy Spirit, let us know that it isn't as overwhelming as we think, that you give us the power, the boldness, the love to be able to do that. This week we ask that you just bring to mind someone who needs the connection. Convict us, Holy Spirit, but also lead us. May we see our city transformed through your love, Jesus. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Now, are you willing to be open-handed with this? Because if we come kind of close-fisted, where we're like, this is the only way I'm going to do it, we actually, we don't allow the Holy Spirit to help us sometimes. Actually, we have to kind of come a bit open-handed, which means that if we pray that dangerous prayer of Holy Spirit, help me, Holy Spirit, prompt me, you may be asked to do something a bit out of the ordinary, a bit uncomfortable. Are you willing to do that this week? If you are, give me a wave. If not, that's okay. We're going to be open-handed. God sometimes asks us to do crazy things. But he also works in the simple. Are we ready as we leave this place? I love when we come together for church where we, where we party. We sometimes clap. We party together. But actually our calling is to the weak, isn't it? We come to encourage, to build up. But our calling is to the weak. This week, let us not be overwhelmed. Let's be excited by the possibility of connecting with just the one this week. Bless you. We ask that we have a good time of fellowship now and some coffee. Uh, Have a great week. We pray that we will see our city transformed, don't we? Amen.